This is Cerebral Edge Radio. Hi. Yeah, welcome to Cerebral Edge Podcast. It already sounds incredibly riveting, doesn't it? Um, yeah, this is our first. And God bless you if you're listening to this thing. I'm going to try to make it as entertaining as possible. My name is Paul Chamberlain, and I am the founder of Cerebral Lich. Cerebral Lich is a creative agency and a hard goods line. Maybe some of you have bought Cerebral Lich product before. Uh, I think it's funny. Apparently, a lot of other people did back in uh, 06, 07, 08. And then the recession came along and kneecapped half our stores. And uh, then, uh, you know, went back to the creative agency business. So, uh, yeah, that's my sad uh, recession tale. Anyways, we're going to be talking about movies, you know, other pop culture stuff, science, social media, you know, anything that really essentially chaps my ass that I want to go into. Um, you can follow us on Cerebral Itch on Twitter and uh, also CerebralLitch.com. Cerebral Itch, everything is Cerebral Itch. I made sure that I nailed down everything. I think I've got every piece of shit social media thing that never made it. I've got a membership on it, so you can find us no matter what. Um, we did lose our ranking on Google to Cerebral Ischemia. Um, we used to beat out Cerebral Ischemia, but uh, no. Now we're uh, now we're underneath it. The big one that we need to beat out on Google search is cerebral palsy. That's we we got goals and that's one of them. So when we can beat out cerebral palsy on Google search results, that's fucking bury me happy. Two things that we're going to be talking about is Dark Knight Rises and the Olympics opening ceremonies. Both of them are filed on my desk under sock. So uh, yeah. We'll be going into that, but I just wanted to give a shout out to the podcast that I'm a huge fan of and that inspired me to do this because there's something to be said for uninterrupted, long storytelling and uh, broadcasting that is no long, that is not perverted or touched or molested by corporate, by corporate interests. And uh, I'm a huge fan of like Jay Moore, Bill Burr, Adam Carolla, Kevin Smith, and Ralph Garman and Hollywood Babylon. You know, if you haven't heard those, check them out. Mark Marin, WTF. Um, very, very, very smart, smart men who are very open, wonderful conversationalists. And uh, they have some amazing guests. And their interplay with the guests and the way that they can sustain a conversation and ask questions, it reminds me of, you know, real journalists from a day gone by. You know, you, you have a conversation. You have an hour and a half conversation with somebody. And if in that conversation you get 25 minutes, hell, seven minutes out of it that is enjoyable, that is illuminating, then you've done your job. It's, you know, that's what you're going for. It, a four-minute piece on a nightly news is a long piece, and rarely it covers anything that you need to know. I mean, it's just horseshit. I mean, it it is really a sad state of affairs that when I was studying for my journalism degree in college, and we used to study other countries for journalistic bias, like France. There was uh, Figaro and Le Monde. 
and you, they both talk to separate political parties. And we're like, oh, no, thank God we don't have that here. We have that separation. Not so much anymore. And uh, it's, it's uh, kind of sad. But I digress. I guess that's what you do on a podcast. So, sorry. You know. And if you're still with me, Jesus Christ, you need, you need to find some stuff better to do. Um, okay. So, Dark Knight Rises is what we're going to jump into when we come right back. And I will give you permission to die. See, that, that's all you got to do. It's like, you just cover your mouth, you just cup your mouth, and do a really shitty James Mason impression, and go, Mr. Wayne, let the games begin! And then you got yourself a Tom Hardy Bane. I mean, it's like, what the fuck? One, Bane was born in a prison in Santa Prisca. He has a Hispanic accent for all the years that he was a comic book character. Okay, that's one. Now, forget that, because I know that Christopher Nolan likes fucking with characters and completely stripping them of any kind of flavor or personality. Uh, noted Rachel Ghoul, um, who was an immortal who used to bathe himself in a chemical bath called the Lazarus Pit for immortality and wanted to purge the earth of surplus population so the earth could go back to its pristine state. He was the ultimate eco-terrorist. It was, that was a great angle. Um, but yeah, don't get me started on that one. But Christopher Nolan is one of those people that if he has a choice between barbecue chicken that just tastes amazing and uses multiple ingredients and needs to be cooked just right and stuffed and it takes a lot of effort, but if you can bring all these elements together, it's an amazing thing. Instead, he knows how to make a really good boiled chicken. Just get a whole chicken, throw it in some water, throw in a couple of things of onions, um, and cover it, then throw on some salt and then bring it out and then sprinkle it with parsley. And because nobody has ever toned down Batman, especially after the Schumacher years, um, you know, when they see something that's done with a relative level of reality, relative level of reality. All right, fine. Yeah. Tweet me on that one. I, I give a shit. Anyways, when you do, when you do a superhero movie, close to the best, and with a certain amount of realism, everybody's like, holy shit, this is amazing. Finally, somebody did a real good superhero movie. It's like, no, all you gotta do is get rid of the dumb stuff, get some good actors, and uh, you don't have to make it overly somber. You don't have to make it overly political. And people have responded to these movies, and Dark Knight Rises is just one more example of this spoon-fed shit that completely leaves one of the greatest American icons of literature. I'm sorry, I'm going, I'm going to the mat. When you have an art form, and yes, comic books are an art form, and fuck all of you that don't even think that. Comic books are an art form that have survived since the early 30s. You have characters with a narrative that has its continuity has survived 
for 60, 70, 80 years. You've got your Superman, your Batman. These characters, they, they, they maintain, they, they stay relevant. And you constantly have new artists, new writers, new editors that come in and infuse these characters and keep them. It's like you throw a balloon up and for 60 years, people have been underneath that balloon, gently blowing it up and keeping it aloft. And then Hollywood came in and realized that this was a rich, very rich soil in which to plant their fucking dirty feet and uh, make movies. And the Saul Kinds did it in the 70s with Superman. And you watch Superman now, and Superman barely holds up. It's a little campy. Um, but it was the first of its kind. I mean, it was like literally their tagline was, you will believe a man can fly. And God damn it, when you were nine and ten years old and you're watching that thing, you that changed your life. That movie fucking changed your life. And they got Brando, they got Hackman, they got, you know, Cooper. And, uh, you know, they made, they made shit work. Um, yeah, Melvin Douglas, for Christ's sake. Was it Melvin Douglas? No, Melvin Douglas wasn't in it. Who the hell was one of the Kryptonian council? Oh, God, I got to quit drinking wine doing this podcast. Anyways, um, so, so then along comes Nolan, and he makes these Dark Knight movies. And Christian Bale, I mean, fine. You know, he doesn't, none of these guys, and I mean, okay, this is how controversial that this fucking podcast is going to get right now. George Clooney was the best Bruce Wayne that set foot in a costume. Sure, that movie was an abortion, and I personally walked out of it like forty-five minutes into it. I it was it was horrible. It was like I was like George C. Scott in that scene from Hardcore, watching his daughter in a porn in the theater. I was just sobbing, and I just left. Um, but goddamn, he looked like he looked and acted like Bruce Wayne, aloof, sexy. You could understand why chicks threw themselves at him because he was a billionaire and he looked like that. Val Kilmer. Uh, no, before he had ballooned into the, uh, into the character he is now. Michael Keaton, what the hell happened to him? I mean, his greatest performance since has been, you know, Ken in Toy Story 3, which, you know what, I raised my glass to that. That was a hell of a performance. But, I just, you know, Christian Bale, yeah, eh, yeah, okay, fine. I put on the mask, and, um, Michael Caine. You, you can't you can't go wrong there. Morgan Freeman is Lucius Fox, which was that was a masterstroke. I love that. But um, it, it just you know even the the costume doesn't have a fucking stitch of yellow on it. And yellow was that he had the emblem on his chest with yellow to attract gunfire to his chest, which was protected instead of his head. You know there was thought behind that. And I mean, sure, I can understand, you know, the gray costume with the black, the Frank Miller, all that stuff. But there was nothing that retained any color, anything. The Tumblr was not a Batmobile. It was just a tank. You know, it was like nothing had Batman. The Batcave was worthless. You know, sure, I don't want to see a dinosaur and a big giant penny like in the comic books. You know, but at least make it look like a fucking base of operations instead of just, you know, I mean, even in Dark Knight Rises, they even cop to it because the computers are all covered because the place is a dripping, you know, grotto of batshit. 
I mean, it was just the, the water thing. It's like, yeah, let's get high-powered computers around water. Yeah, that, that sounds good. That sounds, you know, no wonder this guy's blowing a billion bucks to knock around criminals. He's not too smart. But it was just, I hated them all. Now, okay, so I saw Dark Knight Rises. It was, it was okay. It was okay. It was, the, as far as I'm concerned, the best of a lot. Um, and then I came back to watch the second one with Heath Ledger. And it, you could edit that movie and just watch Ledger, and it's, it's amazing. But the movie is kind of fucking boring. I mean, it really is. It does not hold you. You're holding out. You know, you're, you're just suspending yourself to get to the next moment where you get a little Batman gadget, you know, action or ledger. And you know what? And now, uh, you know, I'm, my head's a little cocked on the whole ledger thing ever since I saw this Tom Waits 1979 video from that Australian talk show. Okay, I'm going to put the link on this podcast so you can click on it but if you haven't seen it you guys need to see it tom waits is like in his 20s comes on this talk show it's like fucking ledger ripped him off i mean he did a dead-on impersonation of him i mean it, it somebody is going to take that video and they're going to you know mess with it digitally and they're gonna they're gonna make put a joker face on uh on tom waits I know that there's this colony, this, this small group of resistance fighters that appreciate what Christopher Nolan did for the Batman movies, but also didn't go all the way. Didn't go all the way in really having fun with, I mean, everything about, I mean, the set direction. I mean, Anton first was the guy that did the art direction for the 1989 Tim Burton film. And God damn it, that man was a genius. He was so much of a genius, he was a crazy genius, that he threw himself on the parking structure before he killed himself before the movie came out. Look it up. Um, but the skyline that he created for Gotham in that movie ended up in the comic books. There was that tower with kind of looked like the Space Needle in Seattle, you know, that dark gothic looking tower is adapted in comic books. I mean, there's multiple comic books since then that have that as part of the Gotham skyline. There, there is nothing, there are no lines in any of the Batman movies. I mean, okay, sure, why so serious and stuff like that, but it's Ledger. There's nothing taken away. Nobody's making mashup videos. Nobody's having fun. There was nothing that really tickles the creative fancy of true fans about these movies. They're big budget. They're sexy, but there is nothing about them. So, Dark Knight. One, I started this off by saying, okay, Bane is just a character that talks like this all the time. And I will give you permission to die. You know, shit like that. I mean, anybody can do a Bane impersonation. Tom Hardy, love him. I mean, you know, I, I'd go gay for him. He's, uh, he's a sexy bastard. Um, hell, loved him in uh, Star Trek Nemesis. There's a, you know, I, I don't see what's so bad about it. Okay, fine, it's a... Star Trek II Wrath of Khan reboot, but uh, it's good. Check it out if you haven't seen it. That's Tom Harney's first, and he's a skinny little bastard in it, too. It'd be fascinating for you to see it. Um, 
Anne Hathaway was surprisingly good. I, she was the one that I was going to give no no ounce of consideration to. And then when she did that backflip out of the window after ripping off the pearls, I was like, okay, all right, she's got uh, she's got it going. And then they had the the straight wave, which I swear to God, you guys can hit me on Twitter about this. Did she look just like Newt from Aliens, grown up? Swear to God, looked just like a grown-up version of Newt from Aliens. Anyways, so yeah, she had the little scrappy, uh, scrappy little teen hooker around her, which was a, a nod back to uh, Frank Miller Year One. But everything else, I mean, once again, the goddamn nondescript armory and that you know Gordon just constantly angst ridden and you know it looks the same every single they're like Harry Potter movies or Lord of the Ring movies they all look the goddamn same it's like you drop into them and you're like okay which one is this and then when the villain shows up or the big set piece you're like oh okay yeah I know who you can only tell these movies from the villains that should say something you can only tell these movies from the villains and not the character that the movie's named after. That's the problem with the Batman movies. And until somebody finally makes a movie in which Batman is sexy and strong and brilliant and the one that strikes fear into the hearts of other heroes, even though that they know that he has no powers. I mean, come on, Tower of Babel storyline, read that. Justice League, Tower of Babel, where uh, Rachel Gould busts into the Bat computer and rips off all the contingency plans that Batman has for taking down all the other heroes and uses it against them. Oh my God, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But I mean, that's the character, and that has never been captured on film. And I don't know if it ever will. I really don't know if it ever will. But uh, yeah, I'm glad the Christopher Nolan movies are over because he was incredibly stingy with Easter eggs too. That's what made Iron Man so enjoyable. Like Iron Man 2, God, you know, all those Easter eggs all over the place. The, the Captain America shield he pulled out of, you know, that, that crate. And I mean, just stuff like that. That was great, you know. But, okay, spoiler alert. You can turn it off if you, uh, you know, if you haven't seen the movie. But really, at the end, oh, I like your real name. You should use that. Robin. Really? You're fucking kidding me. That's that's what you're going to give me? Uh, it was just uh, lame. I'm glad that the Christopher Nolan period of filmmaking is over for The Dark Knight. And maybe when I'm an old man, somebody will finally capture what, uh, what that movie is about. Or what that character is about. Because he is an amazing, amazing character from American literature. I look up the word literature... Look at the definition, look at the staying power, look at the continuity of storyline and character, and you will have, it is, it's like jazz. Comic book superheroes are like jazz. They are 100% American, and it was our contribution to the world, and now is a multi-billion dollar industry. So, uh, you know, if you're a comic book fan, stand proud, because uh, you were on to something big before everybody else started, uh, you know, Huffing the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman powder. Oh,
So we're back. And not only back, but back on a different day. This is the day after uh, the segment that you just heard. And I know we were supposed to talk about the Olympics, and we'll talk about them in, uh, in a little bit, but in a very reduced sense versus what I had. I had about, about 24 minutes that I recorded talking about the Olympics opening ceremony and about the relevance of the Olympics and everything like that. And I listened to it last night, editing it, and it was a bitter, angry, pissy screed. And I didn't like myself after listening to it. And it's something, you know, everybody should record themselves and just listen to themselves talk for an hour. And it's pretty damn illuminating. And when you're putting yourself into a project like this and hanging myself out there and trying something experimental, last thing that you want to do is come off as a, you know, pissy, petty son of a bitch. And the Olympics is a big target. It's an easy target. It's easy for me to sit here in this office in Las Vegas and say mean things about people over in, uh, over in London. And I think a lot of people are doing that. And doesn't mean that I love the Olympics or I had this epiphany where now I'm watching it 24-7. I still think that it is a challenged event that in some cases is inappropriate for everything that's going on in the world right now. I think it's disturbing that one of the biggest stories that come out of the Olympics is the fact that Saudi Arabia is now allowing women to compete, and this had been tolerated for decades prior. You know, we're supposed to stand up and cheer that that's been rectified. That's just sad. Or that the athletes that compete for our country are funded by either their families or the 1%, and that countries that win, like China, they are state-sponsored. And so it's it's... This jingoistic expression of what the Olympics is, the huge expenditure of the host countries who, in the case of London, uh, the, you know, Great Britain is going through a horrible recession, worse than ours. And then now their Barclays Bank is enmeshed in this Libor scandal, and there's all these other things going on. And so it, it seems slightly indulgent. But there, that's it. That's all I'm going to say about it. Plus, I can't stand any of the anchors that are on NBC. Um, you will never, you will never catch me uh, defending Matt Lauer over anything or any of the people. And the fact that an American media company cannot get its act together and stream live—that you have to watch the Olympics if you want to see it live on your. Al Jazeera iPad app or your BBC app, you know, that, that's sad in itself and that's a whole different topic discussion. But going back to the other thing is the podcasts that I really enjoy and respect are done by people that really put themselves out there, that are unflinchingly honest and they talk about the flaws that they've encountered in their life, whether it be addiction or, you know, in the case of Adam Carolla, just growing up in a mediocre and bad household. And his parents, you know, he does not, does not cut them any slack when he was growing up. So I wasn't being honest when talking about the Olympics. I was just taking cheap shots at a big fat target. And in order for me to make this really good, it has to be something that I have to work at, and there has to be interplay with those of you listening, those seven of you listening. So 
I scrapped it. I scrapped the Olympic segment and I'm going to just leave it at this and ask you, hit me on Twitter, email us from the Cerebralich webpage. Um, you can get a hold of us at madprops at cerebralich.com, at cerebralich on Twitter. And there's a whole, a whole bunch of ways you can get a hold of us, Facebook and that. But please tell us what you want to hear. Uh, I'm endeavoring very hard to get guests. And guests that are going to be interesting. Guests that you're going to know of. I mean, household names. I've had the good fortune of being exposed to a lot of accomplished people. And I'm going to try to get them on this little, <laughs> this little tin pot uh, barn burner of a podcast. So, in short, uh, I scrapped the Olympic thing. It just wasn't worth it. It was mean, it was stupid, and it was not well-informed. I just gave you my opinion, and God bless all the athletes. I hope everybody stays happy and healthy, and everybody comes home safe, and it goes off without a hitch, and we'll just deal with it as a, uh, as a world afterwards. But, yeah, as far as uh, three religious concern, the Olympics are kind of the cougar of the... Uh, of the sports world. Yeah, still moderately hot, but yeah, it's not going to be as pretty in a few years. So, there you go. Thanks, guys. The Cerebralage Podcast was brought to you by a bottle of Bogle Petite Syrah and a generous grant from Boredom in the Deep heard since my wife and children no longer listen to me. For more information about Cerebralage, visit us at Cerebralage.com or reach out to us on Twitter at Cerebralage. This is Cerebralage Radio.